All right, Hebrews chapter 11. Let's open with a word of prayer. I know we just prayed, but we need to pray again. And then we'll dig into the text. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We praise you, Lord, as we go to your word right now. We ask that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher. Give us ears to hear what your spirit would say to us. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, amen. amen. Hey, if you need a Bible, by the way, we have Bibles on the back table and also outlines for the message. So we've been talking, we've been going through Hebrews now for several months and we know that the focus of the book of Hebrews is on the supremacy of Jesus Christ, the fact that Jesus is better. It was during a time during the first century church when the temple was still there and there were many of the Jewish first century Christians, most of them were Jewish, and when they'd given their life to the Lord, they were facing persecution from the world, a time when Christians are being fed to lions, but also being drawn back to the old covenant by family and friends and old traditions. So they hear the shofar blow, they see the temple is still in operation, they, you know, all that's taking place, and now they, they recognize that Jesus was the fulfillment of all the sacrifices. So the old covenant was used mightily by God, it was instituted, instituted by Almighty God, but it was replaced by Jesus, amen? Amen? And we saw earlier that it said that Jesus, the Bible tells us that the old covenant has been made obsolete. Now, the Old Testament always points to Jesus. The old covenant pointed to Jesus, but Jesus fulfilled it. So they were wanting to go back to the shadow of, of what was coming instead of the one who had come. They were wanting to go back to the blood of bulls and goats when the blood of, of the Lamb of God took away the sins of the world. So there's this struggle. We saw already that Jesus is better than the prophets. He's better than Moses. He's better than the angels. He's better than the high priests. And now as we come to chapter 11, uh, we're going to see him talk about something that a lot of people struggle with. And the word is faith. And we, most people call Hebrews chapter 11, God's hall of faith. And I'm calling it God's hall of fame tonight for, or this morning for a reason, because you know what, in this world, we have a difference of opinion in what we value between what the world values and what God values. Can I get an amen? And what the world values, and you know, if you listen to sports talk radio, if you're involved in sports, it's kind of crazy how whipped up people get about who makes it into the hall of fame or not. And they will literally debate for four hours and talk about it. And the person who gets in will say, now I've left my legacy and uh, the hall of fame. So this place is obviously so important. I'm sure we've all been there. How many people have been to the baseball hall of fame? That's nobody. I've been there because I have a friend in New York who took me there 15 years ago. Who's been to the football hall of fame? Uh, nobody. It's the hall of forgetfulness. Can I get an Amen. This thing that they're so desperate to get into, nobody goes to see it. And the reality is when I did go to the, hall of, the Baseball Hall of Fame, my boys were all playing Little League at the time, and it was kind of fun. And, and, but at the same time, you, you, they had a thing called Sacred Grounds, talking about old baseball fields. I'm like, there's nothing sacred about an old baseball field. Get over it. Can I get an amen to that? Ba look, just because you can hit a ball with a stick does not make you great. Can I get an amen to that? And sadly, though, you, and then I went through this whole thing and I was waiting because I know at the end they have these little plaques. I thought they were much bigger and that the thing that these guys all aspire to and when they get it, they weep and they go on and on about it. And you walk into this room and there's these little plaques with a little picture of the guy, you know, made out of bronze or something with this. And it's like this. I'm like, really? This is what everybody's concerned about. This is the thing everybody strives for. I want to be a hall of famer. Well, guys, if you want to be in the hall of fame that matters, how about being in God's hall of fame? 
How about living a life in such a way that brings glory and honor to his name? And as we go through Hebrews chapter 11, we're gonna see the things that God values. And it's so far away from the things that the world values. The things that the world thinks is so important. I even hear this too. I wanna leave a legacy. Even people, my coworkers, what kind of legacy am I gonna leave? Guys, here's the reality. You're not gonna be worried about your legacy. You're gonna be worried about your eternity and where you spend it, amen? And when this time has come and passed, only what you've done for Christ will last and all the stuff that we think is important. Again, do your job as unto the Lord. Be the best worker in the building. Be the best mom. Be the best dad. Be the best neighbors. Let's represent Christ well. Because what really will matter in eternity is what have we done with God's son? And so this morning, as we look at God's hall of fame, as I call it, God's hall of faith, we, we've got to be careful about the things that we esteem. Because even as Christians, maybe you could care less about sports, but we'll esteem celebrities. If I didn't know any better, every time I go to the grocery store, I would think the whole world is, cares about five people because they always seem to be the same five people on the magazines on your checkout stand. Amen? <laughs> Why does everyone care? Again, we need to pray for their salvation, but I really don't care what color hair they've got this week. I don't care, amen? <laughs> the stuff that the world just gets so caught up in and so enamored with. The other thing we gotta be careful with too is we don't, there's only one celebrity in Christianity his name's Jesus Christ. We don't elevate Christian bands. We don't elevate Christian preachers. We don't elevate uh, anybody in Christianity because we're to touch not the glory, Amen. When I go to the Calvary Chapel Seniors Pastors Conference every year until Chuck went to heaven, and he would always have a message where he said basically these four things, touch not the women, touch not the wine, touch not the money, touch not the glory. Because those are the areas where men will fall, where women can fall. When we get our eyes off of, we are all sinners in desperate need of a savior, and we're just one beggar leading another beggar to the bread. And if God chooses to use us, to him alone be all the glory, Amen. We are simply tools in the hands of the master. You know what? A, 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 a drill in the hand of a dentist does great work. But we praise the dentist, not the drill. We thank the dentist, not the drill. Amen? And that drill in the hand of, of a, a pastor can do great damage. Amen? <laughs> And so we want to make sure that we are simply being tools in the hands of the master. We recognize that only in his hands are we useful. And to him alone be all the glory. Amen? So now as we come to this chapter, it's kind of breaking away. Last week, if you were here, it was very clear about heaven and hell and eternity. And as Christians, you know what? When we hear about hell, we should be thanking God that we're not going there. Can I get an amen? By the grace of God. And we should be burdened for everybody who is. Every believer this side of heaven should be burdened for every unbeliever this side of hell. Oh, I'm new to this church. He said hell twice already. I don't know about this. The reality is that we need to be taught about it because Jesus talked about it. Amen. And hell is a reality, sadly, for most of the world that we live in. So now he's going to, speaking to this first century church, and he's going to give them where they think what is important is that building, is that temple. What they think is important is the priest wearing the robe. What they think is important is all the traditions. And because of that, they're willing to go back to a bronze altar and give up the cross of Calvary. See, they've, they've got their focus on the wrong things. And because of that, he's going to turn their focus and talk to them about what's really important and people that God recognizes as being used mildly by him. See, it's not how religious they are. It's not how many rules and rituals they can keep. What kind of relationship do they have 
with the Lord. That temptation to leave the substance for the shadow, to leave the cross for the altar, to leave the all-sufficient, eternal, completed work of redemption through the Lamb of God for an insufficient, incomplete, temporary, outdated blood of bulls and goats, to walk away from open access to Almighty God through the veil, to go back to where only the priest could go in once a year. See, when Jesus died on the cross, the veil was torn. There's no more roadblocks between you and the Lord. You can enter into his presence anywhere and anytime. And anytime you go to a denomination or any kind of a church, a lot of them you'll see, they'll literally, some of them have, literally have picket fences in front of the altar. They literally have fences. And then they, the pastor or the priest or whoever's up on this high platform up here, and he's got a bunch of robes on. They're trying to be as Jewish as they can be, not recognizing that, guys, Jesus paid the price. We don't need priests anymore. We have a great high priest who is seated at the right hand of the Father. Amen? And we don't need anything between us and Jesus. We need to, the veil's been torn. Don't try to sew the veil back up. Let's enter into God's presence. Amen? And so now he's going to talk about the things that, again, are of importance. And I pray that for all of us, that we would be encouraged this morning. If you have your outline, grab it. We're not going to go through the whole chapter this morning. That wouldn't do it justice. But uh, God's Hall of Fame, or you could call it God's Hall of Faith, they're both I just want to contrast it with the world's hall of fame. Number one, the description of faith. I think faith is something that is misunderstood by a lot of people. If you ask most people, do you have faith? Most people would probably say yes. And then if you change it to what do you have faith in, you'd get a lot of different answers. They'd have faith in their own strength, faith in their own ability, faith in their fortitude, faith in uh, spiritual things. But guys, it's got it. Faith is only as good as the object you place your faith in. Amen. So if your faith is in anything but Jesus Christ and crucified and risen from the dead, if your faith is in anyone or anything else but the Lord, you are going to be let down and it will not satisfy. Amen? We put our faith in the Lord. So we'll talk about the description of faith, that it's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Here's my def def uh, definition of faith there at the bottom. True biblical faith is confident obedience to God's word in spite of the circumstances or consequences. Let me say that again. True biblical faith is confident obedience in God's word in spite of the circumstances or consequences. It means that we trust God no matter what's going on around us. We trust what the word of God says, even if everyone else rejects it, everyone else denies it, and even if everyone else is telling us that we can't follow it or if they try to silence us or they take the word of God away from us or the circumstances seem overwhelming, guys, true faith continues to faithfully and obediently follow the word of God no matter what. Amen? And we're going to see that in this morning's text. And then we're going to see that true faith produces an action. See, it's not just I have faith. I have faith. Faith in what? I just have faith. And I love talking to people like, oh, you have faith. Faith in what? And uh, well, I just, have, I just, got, just got to have faith. A lot of songs about got to have faith. But here's the reality. True faith produces an action. And we're going to see faith in action in several examples from the Old Testament who were, who were men and women of faith who trusted God and that faith produced an action. So there's 17 witnesses, different witnesses in this chapter of faith and only one common faith. See, 17 different people growing up in different times under different circumstances with one thing in common, their faith in Almighty God. See, it's faith that gives us a commonality, amen? We're all different. We have different backgrounds. We had people from France leading worship, praise God, amen? And I love that we're all one church all over the world, amen? But we have different backgrounds, different educations, different upbringings, but guys, what we have in common is Jesus, we have the same Holy Spirit living inside of us. We should have the same 
faith. So we're going to see the first uh, four we're going to look at this morning. The three at the bottom we'll look at next week. First, we're going to see faith worshiping. We're going to see faith, that by faith, Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice. Then we're going to see faith walking. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death. And we'll see that without faith, it is impossible to please God. Then we're going to see faith working. And that's with Noah, who faithfully built a boat for 120 years when it had never rained before. You want to talk about faith and you want to talk about some ridicule. Imagine if you went home and started building, maybe you had some acreage, and you started building a giant shield for your family to hide under. And you, and, you, and you took the rest of your life to do it. And you said, because there's going to be fire falling from the sky. And whoever doesn't have a shield is going to die. Your neighbors would be calling 911 on you. But that's exactly what happened with Noah. He told them it was going to rain when water had never fallen from the sky. And for 120 years, he was mocked. And we're going to see faith working. And then finally, we're going to see faith waiting. You know, they were waiting for the Messiah, and yet they never saw him. They were living every day in anticipation that he was coming, but they never got to see him in person. They never had the fulfilled, uh, completed word of God like you and I do. Praise God for that. So guys, we have more than anybody who's ever lived. We have more access to the word of God, more commentaries on the word of God, more Christian music, Christian radio stations. We have more of the word of God than anyone's ever had, more exposure to the truth. But we're going to see faith waiting. By faith, Abraham obeyed, went out not knowing where he was going. He offers up his son Isaac as a sacrifice. By faith, Sarah received strength to conceive when she was 99 years old. How about that, ladies? By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob. By faith, Jacob, when, uh, when dying, worshiped and blessed Joseph's sons. And by faith, Joseph gave instruction concerning his body after he had died. So let's begin there looking at God's hall of faith. First, we're going to look at the description of faith there in Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to begin there in verse one. Before we do, it says this, Thomas, John 20, 29, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet have believed. And faith is a word and a concept that has been misused and misapplied. Some people will, use, will say this, faith is, is something that you create by your words. And they use what Jesus did, or God did, well, Jesus both, they're the creator, when they spoke the world into existence. And they'll say, words have power, so your words and your faith can make things happen. Now, we have faith, we pray in believing faith, you can't make anything happen that God doesn't want to have happen. Can I get an amen to that? And we don't command God, we submit to God. And we don't tell God what he needs to do because we're wrong and he's right. Can I get an amen to that? And compared to God, we're all idiots, amen? He said hell and called me an idiot. I'm never coming back to this church. But the reality is we're finite men trying to grasp infinite God and he is so much greater than we think. True faith is not blind optimism. It's not a manufactured hope so feeling. And it certainly isn't belief in spite of the evidence we would call that superstition. Again, what I said before, true biblical faith is confident obedience to God's word in spite of the circumstances and or the consequences. True faith, and here's how it takes place. True faith, God speaks, we hear his word, we trust his word, we act upon his word, no matter what our circumstances are. Amen? Say that one more time. God speaks, we hear his word, we trust his word, we act upon it, no matter what the circumstances around us. Now, what it says in verse one. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things 
not seen. The word substance there literally means to stand under or to support. Faith to a Christian is what a foundation is to a house. See, you can have the most beautiful house in the world, but if the foundation's bad, that house is going to crumble. Back in the 80s, the first house my wife and I bought when I was hired by the company I work for now, I went out on a sales call out in Lancaster, Palmdale. I remember the guy said, drive to nowhere and drive for another hour and you'll get there because I was trying to find it. And then when I got out there, there were new houses everywhere. We were a new family. We had a brand new baby girl. And I walked into this house and it was massive. And I thought it was going to be a million dollars and it was 190,000. Welcome to Palmdale. Amen. (laughs) So I bought this house. I put the money down on the house and then we moved there into an apartment waiting for the house to be built. And then we went by one day and they had stopped building the houses. And then we found out that the foundations were bad. And then they end up burning that neighborhood down in Lethal Weapon 3. True story. They used it as a a prop. They burned all the houses. There's my house burning down. There it is right there. Why? Bad foundation. Bad foundation. And guys, if your foundation, if you put your faith in anything else other than the Lord, your house is going to crumble. The wise man builds his house upon the rock and the rock is Jesus Christ. Amen. And the foolish man builds his house upon the sand and when the rain comes, it crumbles. So Substance, that word there is literally to put under support. Faith is to a Christian, what a foundation is to a house. And this substance gives us confidence and assurance that what God has promised will happen. Here's what faith is. God said he would do it, and faith is, I believe he will. Amen? So God said it, I believe it, that settles it, I have faith in it. Amen? And so here's where where a lack of faith comes in. Remember this, fear, anxiety, and worry are all the opposite of faith. Do we all have times when we're fearful? Can I get an amen to that? Do we all have times when we're anxious? Can we all, do we all have times when we're worried? Okay. Again, and momentarily, we all get that. But what, here's the reality is, those are all the opposite of faith. Because fear is saying that God, God doesn't know, and I don't know what's going to happen, and I'm, I'm, I'm afraid anxiety, you know, you're anxious again and worry. All of that is you're you're consumed with your circumstances because you've taken your eyes off the Lord and you've put them on your circumstances. And so fear, anxiety, and worry are the opposite of faith. Faith is believing what the word of God says and trusting that he will do what he said. Amen. God is faithful because he is faithful. We have faith in him. Notice it says there, faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The word evidence there literally means conviction. The inward conviction that what God has promised, he will perform. So it could be said this way. Faith is the confidence of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. We've had a lot of people in this fellowship or people close to this fellowship, including my mom, go to heaven in the last six months. Uh, A couple days ago was Charmaine's birthday. She had a heavenly birthday. Amen. So as believers, if we didn't have the hope of heaven, I've done about 200 funerals in my life. And when you do them for people that know the Lord, it's still sad. We grieve, but not as those without hope. And Christians die well. Amen. And because we know the Lord, we know that we close our eyes on earth, we open them up in glory, and we have faith in God's promise that when we close our eyes on earth, we will open them up in his presence. Amen? And see, that faith brings us confidence and brings us peace. So it says there, again, you could interpret it this way, faith is the confidence of things hoped for. I have confidence in what God says. I'm not wishy-washy about it one bit. 
Have we met? Can I get an amen? Not one bit. Not, a, not, not even a little bit. Well, Pastor Dave, are you fear? No. Are you worried about No. No. Because God is in control. Amen. And our God is greater than anything we will ever face. I know you use this illustration a lot. Just remember when they all got in the boat and the Lord said, we're going over to the other side. And they all started to panic. And when you get fishermen panic, you know the waves are big. And they're panicking. And what is Jesus doing? He's sleeping in the boat. And why are they panicking? Because they're looking at the waves instead of looking at the Savior. And whatever trial you're going through, keep your eyes on Jesus and not on the trials because he is in control. He knows what's going on and he's not fearful, anxious, or worried. Can I get an amen to that? So keep your eyes on the Lord and trust in him. Notice what it says here. It's the evidence of things not seen. It's confidence in things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. See, the great examples of godliness had all different circumstances, all different uh, personalities. They all had one thing in common, faith. And because of their faith, they obtained a good testimony. See, these Jewish Christians, these first century Christians had become discouraged. And they were thinking of giving up on Jesus and their Christian faith. And they needed a good testimony. And they needed, so they needed to, these examples of faith to break them out of this discouragement. Doesn't the faith of others encourage you? When you see someone who's got a lot of faith, doesn't it doesn't stir up your faith? That's why, you know, the Bible says that, you know, a three-cord strand is not easily broken, and as iron sharpens iron, so a man builds up accountants of his friend. And this is why it's so important for us to be in fellowship. Those of you watching on live stream who aren't sick, repent and come to church. We're waiting for you, okay? We're right here. We love you. Come on, man. Get back to church. I'll give you the gas money if you need it. Can I get an amen? Hey, if you're sick and you need to be home, God bless you. Stay home. We love you. But if you're, if you're able to get up, if, you're, if you can go to the grocery store, you can come to church. Can I get an amen to that? Word, amen. So they needed a good testimony. They needed to see people that had faith. They needed to see people that, again, had, were, God was using them mightily because they were operating in fear. And so now he's going to give them examples of faith. And as he gives these examples, it should be an encouragement for all of us. As we see how God uses mere people just like us uh, who have faith. It says, by faith... We understand. Faith enables us to understand what God does, to see what others cannot see, and to do what others cannot do. Let me say that one more time. Faith enables us to understand what God does, to see what others cannot see, and to do what others cannot do. I met with a young man. I shared with the whole church. We're gonna, we've, we're gonna, they're planting a church in Brazil. And we talk about, I love church plants. I'm a big fan of church plants. I love it. And when I talk to pastors who are planning churches, I always tell them the same thing. You just need to know that you 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 know that God told you to go. Can I get an amen? Because planning a church is like jumping off a cliff. It's the base diving of ministry. Okay, Lord, here I am. Catch me. But you know what it is? You have to have faith to do that. And when you have the faith that God called you, you have the faith that God will sustain you. Amen? And when you see God at work, and even when, when we planted the church in Santa Cruz, 21 years ago yesterday, I planted the church in Santa, we planted the church in Santa Cruz. And when we planted the church in Santa Cruz, the, you know, everybody thought because I was an assistant of a church with thousands of people and I would get to teach the thousands of people on Sundays that all of a sudden there'd be thousands of people in Santa Cruz. And I'm like, I grew up there. You don't know what you're talking about. Santa Cruz it means Holy Cross, but it's the tofu, tie-dye, new age, lesbian, capital, United States. We're planting a church there, okay? And so we went and after six months, 
We had more people on the worship team than we had in the church. And we had people saying, this isn't going well. We're going to go back to Calvary San Jose. And here's what I told them all to do. God bless you. Go ahead. I'm not going anywhere because God called me. God will sustain me. And God's not done here. And do you know that God blessed that church and it grew and we planted other churches at that church and literally thousands of people gave their life to the Lord. Guys, when you have faith in the Lord, you don't have to worry about what anybody else thinks. You don't need the opinions of anybody else. You're not going to be blown any direction by the, the, the winds of false doctrine or what people are printing on social media. Amen. So faith is, again, it's enables us to understand what God does, to see what others cannot see, and to do what others cannot do. J. Oswald Chambers, Chambers put it perfectly. Faith enables the believing soul to treat the future as the present and the invisible as seen. You can teach the future as the present and the invisible as seen. Nothing impo- is impossible with God. God alone can create anything out of nothing that he chooses to. Notice what it says there. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Well, that destroys evolution right there. Can I get an amen to that? I was on a plane with a pastor just many years ago. He told me he believed in the Bible and the word of God and evolution. And he said, what do you think of that? And I said, be thankful I'm I'm a pastor because I might call you names you won't like because I don't get that. You cannot read the Bible and believe that it went from the goo to the zoo to you. Can I get an amen? There's no way you can read the word of God. We were created in the image of God. Amen? In six days, he created it all. The seventh day, he rested. Guys, we believe what the word of God says. Amen? And right here in that verse, it says again, that we're framed by the word of God. I've shared this story before that my son, Johnny, he was on a little league team. And I remember that a kid in the, in, on his little league team, his dad was a scientist at UCSC and he was a big believer in the big bang theory. And they would argue in the dugout, which cracked me up and I could hear my son. And the guy said, well, I believe in the big bang theory. And my son said, so do I. God said it and bang, it happened. And I said, amen. <laughs> I'm writing that down. Out of the mouth of babes. Can I get an Amen. It was all formed by God's word, amen? And you, you know, the second law of thermodynamics and law of entropy and the law of biogenesis, you know, nothing goes from non-living matter to living matter. Nothing go, tones up, it falls apart. Leave your car out in the driveway for 10 years and go look at it, amen? Things fall apart. And again, the whole thought of evolution is it all just by random chance, nothing was nothing and then nothing hit nothing and it became something. And then it all became perfectly put together and put us the exact distance from the sun and, you know, gave us the exact, put our bodies, it's nonsense. You take an anatomy class and you still believe in evolution, you're lost. Can I get an amen to that? Because God created us and see, God formed it with his, here's what's important about that. If God can put the stars in the sky, can he take care of your problems? Amen. If God says light is and light was, we get excited when they make a light bulb that lasts longer. Okay. God said light is and there it was. Amen. People get excited about all these things that we've accomplished. We are, God is so great and we are so not compared to God in any way, shape, or form. Amen? And it's so sad that people choose to take his name in vain. 
I love that the world struggles with the simple truth, but by faith, we understand. It says in Psalm 33, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth, for he spoke it and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. Be encouraged. God who spoke the world into existence is on your side. He's interceding on your behalf. See at the right hand of the father right now. Amen. Jesus is the creator of all things. So the true description, we've seen the true description of faith again. And as we look at it, it's, it's, it's true faith is not blind optimism. True biblical faith is confident obedience to God's word in spite of the circumstances or the consequences. So now he's described faith. He's going to show some examples of people who live by faith. And by faith, how they were used mildly by God. Now, I want you to notice this. Some of these people who step out in faith, from the world's perspective, it doesn't end well. I'm going to start off with the first one. First of all, let's look at faith again. We're going to see faith worshiping, faith worshiping. Look what it says there. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Caleb, through which he obtained a witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts and through it, he being dead still speaks. So Abel, keep in mind, these are, people always want to think they're the first two sons of Adam and Eve. We don't know that. We know that Adam and Eve had a lot of kids. Amen. Because <laughs> the world multiplied. We're all related to Adam and Eve. And we're going to see in a little bit, we're all related to Noah. Can I get amen to that? Okay, so we're, we're all cousins, right? We're all related to them. But by faith, he offered a more excellent sacrifice. So all the way back in Genesis, Adam and his descendants had been instructed by God the true way to worship. And Abel's faith offered that more excellent sacrifice. Now, Abel was a shepherd and Cain, his brother, was a farmer. And what does Abel do? He brings, no doubt, a firstborn perfect animal and sacrifices the animal. What did Cain do? Because Cain was a farmer. He bought grain and fruits and vegetables, whatever he brought, stuff that up out of the ground. Now, God accepted Abel's sacrifice, but he rejected Cain's. Why is that? Because without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness for sin. Amen? See, the very first animal that died, the first time we see the shedding of blood in the Bible is when Adam and Eve sinned. Remember, they covered themselves with leaves. And what did God do? He killed an animal and covered them in in animal skin. So for the first sin, there was the shedding of blood for the covering of sin. Amen. So the sacrifice always pointed to Jesus. And Jesus, though he's the bread of life, he's not a loaf of bread. Can I get an amen to that? And so offering grain in this case is not what needed to happen. What needed to happen was to make the sacrifice. So here, Abel knew what the word of God, what, what he had been instructed. Didn't have the word of God written down yet. But he knew what he had been instructed. He knew what the sacrifice was supposed to be. And he obeyed by faith and did what God called him to do. Now it says there, praise God for that. He offered a more excellent sacrifice. But notice what happens after he does that. He said, it says there, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts and through it being, what does that say? Dead still speaks. Abel brought the right sacrifice. Cain brought the wrong sacrifice. God blessed the sacrifice that Abel brought, would not receive the sacrifice Cain brought. What did Cain do to Abel? Killed his brother. So see, here's another problem that we have. We need to be careful. Well, if you walk by faith, you're never going to have any problems. If you walk by faith, you'll never have any opposition. 
I say it all the time. Show me somebody the Bible used mildly. I'll show you somebody who suffered greatly. Amen? Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you for my name's sake, for so they did the prophets who went before you. See, guys, if we make a stand for the Lord, we know the persecution's coming. And in Abel's case, he was killed. Now, some would say, oh, he died too soon. That's so unfortunate. Read the rest of that verse. It says, though, it being, though he being dead, what, still what? Abel's testimony is speaking to Calvary Chapel, Canal Valley on July 18th, 2021, 6,000 years after he went to heaven. Why? Because what he did was faithful and obedient to the Lord. And see, guys, our life belongs to the Lord. And I would rather lose my life today and have it count for the kingdom of God than live a frivolous life for 100 years that has no impact on eternity. Can I get an amen to that? See, guys, we need to have that eternal perspective. And by faith, we see here, uh, at the very beginning of history, Abel was murdered, but his testimony goes on. And again, the perspective, uh, again, his testimony lives on, and praise God for that. And here we are 6,000 years later talking about him. When we die, what we believe will continue to speak to some level. I think about my dad's advice all the time. He's been in heaven since 2017. I'm thankful. My dad was, I'm a PK. I'm a preacher's kid. Yes, I'm, I, I actually turned out okay. I know pre-PKs have a bad reputation. And all my grandkids are PKs and all my kids are PKs. So pray for us. Amen. But I'm thankful because I have, I literally have about 500 of my dad's messages. And I go back and listen, I'll listen to my dad teaching a Bible study while I'm driving between sales calls. So my dad still gave me advice. But the whole point is the life that we now live, see the legacy that we should desire is not a, a, a plaque in a room that almost no one's ever going to see. It should be that we leave people with the truth of God's word. We live, in a, we live an example that our kids and our grandkids can follow and that we can, that we can live in such a way that our, our kids want to be like us, not because we're great, but because he's great. Can I get an amen to that? See, we want to live in such a way that when our kids look at, I want my kids to look at me and say how a godly man treats his wife, how, how hard a godly man works at work. You know, how a godly man ministers to his family. Same with my wife. You know, how does a godly woman, how is she a godly wife? How does she raise her children? So see, those are the things we do. We want to do things that will outlast this life, only that will draw people to the Lord, not bring praise to our name. Amen. And so by the grace of God, we see faith worshiping. Now we're going to see faith walking. Look at verse five. By faith, Enoch was taken away. So he did not see death. It was not found because God had taken him. But before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. I've got that underlined in my Bible. He pleased God. Can there be anything greater said about anyone than he pleased God or she pleased God? Can I get an amen to that? See, that's God's hall of fame. That's God's hall of faith, of pictures of faith that... Enoch pleased God so much. He had such an intimate relationship with Enoch that God just said, you know, I love you so much. Just get up here. Just come on up here. Just get up here, Enoch. And now, now keep in mind, when Enoch lived, there was no Bible. When Enoch lived, there was nothing written down at all. Enoch 
walked in the cool of the day, had a relationship with Almighty God. And you know what? God met people with the amount of exposure to him that they had. And Enoch was living in the days of Noah when everybody on the planet was wicked. And yet he pleased God, which should be encouraged to, uh, encouragement to us that we can please God in California. <laughs> Amen? Because we live in a very wicked and perverse state for the most part, but we're called to be salt and light here. Amen. And we can please God even if no one else chooses to. And we need to work on our relationship with the Lord and not worry about anybody else. Our faith grows as we fellowship with God. You've heard me say it. Well, what's our theme verse? Faith comes by hearing and what? Hearing by the word of God. Our, our radio program that's on all over the country is faith comes by hearing. Now, your faith and your closeness to God, you're as close to God as you want to be. And people will say, I said, I use John Corson's example. I've shared it myself. And people say, hey, pastor, I want to have faith like you do. You can read the Bible as much as I do. Amen. It's, there's no secret. Open it, read it, and obey it. Amen. If you open up the word, if you, I, you know, I just, I'm really bummed out and I'm overwhelmed and I'm anxious and I'm fearful. How's your prayer life? Well, I, I don't, I don't, you know, I pray for my weedy sometimes, but I don't really have a prayer life. How's your time in the Word? Tell me what God showed in your devotions. I'm, I'm not really sure where my Bible is. I might need a new one, right? Uh, how, you know, I haven't seen you in church in about six months. Well, yeah, I've been kind of busy at work. So no fellowship, no time in the Word, no time in prayer, and then you wonder why your life is filled with fear, anxiety, and worry, and you lack faith. Again, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, amen? Enoch walked with God. See, Enoch was hanging out with God, so how could you not have faith? Hanging out with the world, you can become faithless. To truly fellowship with God, we must desire to please him and we must diligently seek him. Prayer, meditating on the word, worship. By the way, the only thing we're going to do in heaven, one of the few things we're going to do in heaven that we do on earth is worship. Worship starts at 10. I'll leave that right there. Not 10.15, not 10.22, 10. And we start on time. Can I get an amen to that? Danielle is my taskmaster. He's counting me down. Five, four, three. Because we go live, 10 o'clock. You want to get a taste of heaven? Show up for worship. You ain't going to be witnessing nobody in heaven. They're all saved. We're not reading the Bible. The word's right there. His name's Jesus. Can I get an amen to that? But we will worship. I want to encourage you to worship. Amen. Enoch walked with God during a wicked time prior to the flood, and yet his fellowship with God was so sweet that God just snatched him away. A lot of people see Enoch as a picture of the church. See, the righteous judgment is coming, and Enoch gets snapped, snatched away first. How the church is going to get raptured away before God brings the righteous judgment upon the earth. Enoch's testimony is he pleads God, and there can be no greater testimony. So how did he please God? It says he pleased God. What did he do to please God? Well, he walked with him for 300 years, for 300 years, hanging out with the Lord during the most wicked time on the earth. No Bible, no Jesus, no pastor, lived in wicked days. He had a son by the name of Methuselah. Why is that name? Why is that a famous name? What's he famous for? Being the oldest person who ever lived on the earth. Here's some good Bible trivia. You ready? How can Methuselah be the oldest man who ever lived on the earth and yet he died before his father? Oh, you got to share that with somebody. Enoch didn't die. That's how. Can I get amen? 
Enoch was snatched up into heaven. You know what? He walked in intimate fellowship with God with no Bible, no Jesus, no pastor. Now that doesn't mean that we should follow that recipe today because we have the Bible, we have Jesus, and we have pastors. Can I get an amen to that? But in those days, based on what he had, so these first century Jewish Christians were caving in after a few years. They can learn a great deal from Enoch's example of walking with God for 300 years and not wavering. Verse six, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. Underline that. If you write in your Bible, underline that. And you can write in your Bible. I'll give you permission. It's okay. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. That tells me that you cannot please God through good works alone. You've heard me say it before, it's not faith or works or faith plus works. It's faith that works. Amen? So it's faith that produces good works. Works don't save us. We're saved by faith, but if we're truly saved by faith, then good works will come. Amen? So it's not faith or works or faith plus works. It's faith that works. But we cannot please God. It's impossible to please God without faith. The Bible tells us there's none righteous, no, not one. And there's no worldly sacrifice that can please God. There's nothing the world can do to please God apart from putting their faith in Jesus Christ. So that means I don't care. And you'll see people, well, he's a wonderful man. He gave $100 million to this charity. Okay, and he probably ran a big article to tell everybody how much money he gave. And that's why we know. But the point I'm making is that we look at worldly good things and we assume that somehow that scores brownie points with God. Here's the reality. It means nothing to God. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, by the way, he does not hear your prayers unless you have a relationship with Jesus. People get headaches and get mad at me every time I say it. We come to the father in the name of the son and the power of the Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen to that? Why do we pray in Jesus' name? Because only through Jesus do we have access to the Father. Now, he'll hear our prayer if we cry out in desperation for salvation. But guys, we only come to the Father through the Son. So it's impossible to please God if we don't have faith. So no, no amount of good works is going to save you. God doesn't grade on a curve. He grades at the cross. He's not going to compare you to other people. We must believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That's what it says. So for he comes to God, must believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Those who by faith seek the Lord. They were faithfully, these were being tempted to turn away from God, to go back to, to the old covenant, and he says, real faith is those who diligently seek him. How much time do you spend each day seeking the Lord? How much time do you spend in the morning with the Lord in his presence? How much time do you spend in prayer? How much time are you spending in the word? I want to, I want to encourage you to do this. If, you have, if you're not doing it, let me encourage you to do this. For the next five days, get up a half an hour earlier than you normally do. Spend half that time in prayer and half that time in the word and tell me your day doesn't get better. Can I get an amen to that? I'm not saying things will be perfect or things will be easy, but you'll have a biblical perspective when they happen. Amen. And it just, it transforms your life when you begin the day in the presence of the Lord. I've told you guys this before. My feet don't hit the ground before I say, yes, Lord, your servant hears. Get it from Samuel in the Bible. Yes, Lord, your servant hears. I don't want my feet on the ground before I make sure I recognize that I need the Lord and, I'm, and that I'm listening to him and his voice and not the voice of anybody else. Can I get an amen to that? And so here's that exhortation that oh, Enoch was used by God. Why? Because 
And how do we, God use us? We must believe that he is. So you, if you deny there's a God, you cannot please him. If you deny there's a God, you don't have a relationship with him. If you deny there's a God, you have no faith. Amen? So when people say they have faith in faith, it means absolutely nothing. By the way, no faith in churches either. No faith in denominations. The church doesn't save you. You are the church. Amen? Well, my church, I go to my church. I go faithfully. And I, here's, my, here's my baptismal certificate. And here's my confirmation thing. And here's this other thing I got. Look at all these things I got here. I got them in my big Bible on my desk that I never open. <laughs> it's got the birth and death of everybody in my family, but we never read it. And I put my faith. Guys, it's not about a religion. It's about a relationship. Is Jesus Christ your best friend? Are you married to Jesus? Amen. So we've seen faith, worshiping and faith, walking, walking in faith, even when no one else is around him. Now watch faith working. Look at verse seven. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. So Noah gets warned and faith here. So he get, gets warned by God. And this is what faith is. We hear what God says, and then we obey. Sometimes God prompts us through his word or the move of the Holy Spirit to do things that we think are too difficult for us. By the way, that's the best time to step out in faith when you can't do it on your own and you need God's help. Amen? Because then you have to trust him. So God tells Noah to build a boat. Now that, again, that's a big deal, but it's an even bigger deal when it's never rained. And he's building a boat nowhere near a body of water. And he's building a boat that's so big, it took him 120 years to build it. Now that's faith. Can I get an amen? Now, what if he had waited to start? What if he said, I'll get around to it in 20 years? The rain would have come, the boat would have been 75% built, and it all would have drowned, amen? And too often, that's what we do with God. We hear from the Lord, and then we put it on hold. Well, God, I'll start serving you more as soon as I retire from my secular job. God, I'll start serving you more as soon as all my kids are out of God, I'll start serving you more when I've done this, when I've done that, when I've seen the world, when I've crossed off my bucket list, then I'll get around to you, God. Guys, let me encourage you. Today is the day of salvation, and today is the day that we need to start serving Jesus. Can I get an amen? He did not save you to make you a pew potato. Biggest, fattest sheep. Right? The dead sea's dead, all inlet, no outlet. Amen. As believers, we're fed so we can go out and impact the world around us. Amen? God tells Noah, I want you to build a boat. What's a boat? <laughs> what is it? God gave him some instructions somehow. And, and oh, by the way, that big of a boat? And by the way, we're going to put all the two by two, all the animals and seven of the clean animals onto that boat with you. Really? Does it take some faith to believe that? Can I get an amen? And praise God he did it. You know what? By him doing it, his whole family was saved. Amen? Because Noah obeyed God, his whole family was saved. Now, nobody else was saved. That's the sad part. He preached it for 120 years and no one got saved. Be encouraged that if you're sharing your faith with people and you're not seeing a lot of results, the results aren't up to you anyway. They're up to the Lord. You just be faithful to do what God has called you to do and you leave the results up to God. Can I get an amen to that? But be faithful. Heed his word. People say, well, I just don't know what the calling is in my life. Let me give you one right now. Go therefore into all the world and preach the gospel. He gave that to the apostles, but it applies to us. 
What are we called to do as Christians? To know him and make him known. Amen? Know him and make him known. Not know him and keep it to yourself. Amen? Let the world know. Aren't you glad someone told you? Aren't you glad the person who told you didn't keep it to themselves? Amen? He was forewarned of the coming destruction and the righteous judgment. God told Noah to build a boat in the middle of dry land where it never rained and that animals would just come. Think of the persecution he faced for 120 years building a boat when it had never rained. Again, it's like us building a shield. Tell him fire is going to fall from the sky. Only his immediate family got on the boat. But I love that his family received his witness and they were all saved. I think the greatest thing we can do as moms and dads is make sure that we leave a godly witness, that we are a godly witness to our kids. Can I get an amen to that? First century Jewish Christians, how do we know that we can endure? Because Noah did. Amen? How do we know we can do what seems to be impossible from our perspective? Well, because we see the examples of Abel. We see the example of Enoch. We see the example of Noah. God's word is enough, but these are the great cloud of witnesses that are examples to us. When we're discouraged and we're fearful, we can look back on their faith and recognize that we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. Noah's last days, as it's called, it's called as in the days of Noah. It says in the last days, they'll be in the days of Noah. That means they'll be more and more wicked. Is the world getting more and more godly or more and more wicked? If you think it's getting more and more godly, clue me in because I'm not seeing it. Amen. In the last days, we'll call good evil and evil good. We're living in it. And God's not calling us to build an ark necessarily, but he is calling us in these last days to stand up for the truth. He had less revealed truth. He had no Bible, no Messiah, no church. How much faith would you have with no Bible, no fellowship, no Holy Spirit? You probably had the Holy Spirit. I'm sure the Lord gave put the Holy Spirit on him. It doesn't mention it. And yet in the midst of great wickedness, he stood firm. Sometimes you feel like the Lone Ranger is a Christian. Can I get an amen? Sometimes you feel like I'm the only Christian in the building. Well, there's a reason you're the only Christian in the building. God puts you there for a reason. Amen? You've heard my analogy. You know, the electric company doesn't put all the lights on one street corner in Thousand Oaks. They spread them out. Why? Because you'd have one really bright spot and a bunch of darkness. And God doesn't put all the Christians in the same business or in the same neighborhood. Why? Because we need salt and light everywhere. Can I get an amen to that? So when you recognize I'm in a building with 20 workers and I'm the only Christian here, guess what? Every time you show up to work, the Holy Spirit just entered the building. Can I get an amen to that? And you're there to be salt and light and to be used by the Lord. You do your jobs unto the Lord and you walk by faith and not by sight. You never know the far-reaching effects of faithful obedience, putting feet to their faith. Noah could have, I don't know how Noah could have known that nobody would be saved except his family, but he obeyed God when it just didn't make sense to anyone else. Praise God for Noah. Can I get an amen? May we have that same heart. Now faith waiting. We'll see how far we get. We'll stop when we run out of time. Faith waiting. Look at it says there in verses 8 through 10. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. Now I've left my house forgetting where I'm supposed to be going. <laughs> Anybody besides me? I've gotten in the car like, where was I going? It happens even more often when I go downstairs. I go downstairs like, why did I come down here? And I go back upstairs. Oh, yeah, that's right. I go back downstairs. I forget again. I'm going to start writing post-its when I think of something. and go downstairs. That's right. I came down to get the scissors or whatever, right? 
But I love that God just told Abraham to go and didn't tell him where he was going and he just went. That takes faith, amen? I want you to leave a, a wonderful land that is greatly and great and fruitful and I just want you to go. Where am I going, Lord? Just go. What, what, I need a map. I need some directions here. Uh, just go. And he went. That's why he's called Father Abraham. Amen? Now, we know Abraham. Now, what I want to say about each of these people that we see throughout Scripture, almost all the people, these 17 people, they've all got flaws for the most part. We don't, I don't see a lot. I don't remember if there's any recorded flaws about Abel. He wasn't around long enough. But there's flaws. But notice how what God remembers, like Abraham, did Abraham mess up some? Remember, he told twice that his wife was his sister. How are you not divorced, bro? Can you imagine? Yeah, she's my sister. Really nothing to do with her. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, you can take her as a wife, no problem. He did that twice. Abraham had a lot of issues, but isn't it a blessing to see when you get to God's hall of faith, what does God remember? He doesn't remember his frailties. He remembers his faithfulness. Shouldn't that be an encouragement to all of, all of us? The Bible says he, he chooses not to remember our sin anymore, right? He separates it as far as the east is from the west. Isn't it good to know that God, for, he, he can't forget, but he can choose not to remember, amen? And he chooses not to remember our failings, and yet he remembers our faithfulness. What a great and awesome God we serve, amen? And we can only be faithful because he makes us faithful. So by faith, Abraham obeyed when he did not know where he was going. We too are pilgrims and strangers living in tents and temporary dwellings. All in God's faith, God's hall of faith here, hall of fame, had failed God. So Abraham left his comfort zone. He left his family and friends to follow God by faith. And the first century Jews being called out of their comfort zone to follow God. See, there's a clear analogy. God told Abraham to go out not knowing where he was going. And now these first century believers have walked away from the temple and walked away. What God, that was God's plan and that was of the Lord. But now God was done with that. And they're having to walk out into something they don't fully understand, they don't fully grasp, they don't fully know. But we need to step out by faith. I want to tell you one of the biggest hindrances to, to Christian ministry, Christian parents. Here's what will happen. Young people will be, feel called by God to go do something that you think is kind of crazy. My daughter and my son-in-law went to, went to Colorado to plant a church. They'd never been there. Didn't know one person. Went to Colorado. There were people in our family that gave them heat. What are you doing taking the grandbabies moving so far away? And all I said was, is God telling you to go? Then you need to go. I remember we, we drove all their furniture out and, and they were going to plant a church and they did and they're there now and God's blessing it. But I remember when we got there, we were getting ready to get on the plane to go home. We had driven their stuff out in a truck and my daughter's weeping on the curb. And I walked over and I said, baby girl, you okay? And she said, it's worth it, dad, right? I said, it's worth it, baby girl. And guys, you know what? It's not always easy to step out in faith for God, but it's always worth it. Amen? It's not easy to live in France when your family lives here but they're obeying God and God's blessing it. Can I get amen to that? See, when we step out of faith and we get out of our comfort zone, we become usable for the kingdom of God. When we come to God with conditions, well, Lord, I'll serve you, but it needs to be near a notion because I like to serve, so. <laughs> you know, and we put all these conditions on God, right? Well, I'll, I'll go to that church and I'll serve, but I have to be the lead worship person up front every Sunday, so. And we, we put conditions on God. When he, you know what God wants? Here I am, Lord, send me. I'm here. 
You need someone to set up chairs? I'll set up chairs for Jesus. You need someone to mop the, I'll mop the floors for Jesus. You need someone to clean the, I'll clean the toilets for Jesus. Can I get an amen to that? And see, by faith, Noah obeyed God. By faith, Abraham went out not knowing where he was going. Notice what it says there. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob and the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundation, whose builder and maker is God. See, Abraham was willing to live as a sojourner. He was willing to walk away from his, you know, his place of security, if you will. And what I mean by Christian parents sometimes, when I said they're the biggest roadblock, sometimes someone will come home and say, God's called us to go plant a church in China or to go on the mission field in you know, Uganda or to go someplace. And then the parents will be the ones trying to talk them out of it because we want them to be where we like it. And guys, you know what? You know what, you know what a strong Christian kid is? A, a strong Christian kid is a kid who listens to God over you. Can I get an amen to that? And we honor our parents. Tell Our parents tell us not to do what God's told us to do. Amen? So can I encourage you, when your kids come to you and they want to step out in faith, and it's not the thing that you want the most for your personal comfort, you encourage them to go because we want them to obey God rather than man. Amen? Encourage them to do so. Notice they dwelt. He was a resident alien, one who lives somewhere but doesn't have permanent status. Guys, we're all aliens here. This isn't home. You know, people, everybody's moving to Texas. Texas isn't home either. Amen? I get it. Look, I got a, I got a 57,000 square foot house for $4. I'm moving to Texas. <laughs> People are leaving Texas and Idaho and Arizona and Tennessee, anywhere but California. Well, no, you know what? We need Christians in California. We need people to be salt and light here. We need to be recognized this isn't even home. By the way, heaven's better and we're going there. Amen? And so let's be faithful right where we are. Now, if God tells you to go to Tennessee, make sure God tells you, not your, you know, not your flesh, not, not Zillow. Can I get an amen to that? How much is that house? <laughs> and all of a sudden you're moving cross country and then you want God to bless it. They dwelt in tents looking forward to a better city. Look what it says, the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. See, they were willing to be sojourners, knowing that something better was coming. Guys, we can be sojourners here because guess what? Something better's coming. Amen? And even if in this life you don't get all the things that you want, that's probably a good thing. By the way, we're spending money we don't have and things we don't need to impress people we don't know. Can I get an amen to that? Make that minimum payment till you're 150 and that Starbucks coffee will cost you 500 bucks. Amen? But people are spending money and we're trying to comfort ourselves with the things of the world. And what we really need to do is just desire to walk in the center of God's will. It dwelt in temporary dwellings and so do we. Notice what it says in verse 11 and 12, by faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed. And she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. You guys know the story that, that Abraham, God comes to Abraham and his wife is 90. And he's a hundred. And it even says of him, as good as dead. It's in the Bible. And you're going to have, you know, in those days, it was, it was felt like a curse. If you couldn't have children, if you were barren, it was like a curse. And so imagine at 90, way past the days to be given birth, the, the, you get a promise from God that you're going to give birth. And at first we know, how did she respond initially? What did she do? She laughed. What does Isaac mean? 
Laughter, there you go. Good Bible, more Bible trivia, amen. She names her son Laughter because she laughed when God said she was gonna have a son, that she was going to give birth. But notice at the end of that verse, because she judged him faithful. See, we need to stop looking at things based on our human frailty and start looking at them through the greatness of the God that we serve. Trusted that God would overcome her frailties. Guys, we're never too old for God to use us. We're never too frail for God to use us. We're never too poor for God to use us. We're never too shy for God to use us. Quit using your human frailties to keep you from doing what God has called you to do because he's not doing it in your strength. He's doing it in his. Amen? And the enemy wants you to hide behind your human frailty. Sarah could have goes, dude, I'm 90. You're going to have a baby. Dude, I'm 90. Oh, by the way, you're going to have so many children, they're going to number us the stars in the sky. You're, you're, you're on crack, bro. Stop it. <laughs> right? Are you kidding me? See, but see, that, that's when it's faith. When we see the impossible, it's possible because we know who's behind the promise. It's almighty God. Amen? We miss out on so much because we limit God. Notice what it says there. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead. There it is. Didn't make it up. It's in the Bible. We're born as many as the stars in the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is on the seashore. I forgot to stop right there. That was painful. But hey, good thing about teaching verse by verse, we get to pick up next week. Amen. But he, he tells them that millions of descendants would be born. You know what's amazing about Sarah's faith? She had a pretty significant descendant. What was his name? What was his name? Well, no question mark after that. What's his name? Jesus. There it is. Usually when I say something like that, if you shout out Jesus, you're going to be wrong about right about 95% of the time. Amen. <laughs> but see, because of her faith came the children of Israel. Amen. And, and through, through the line of Abraham came, you know, Jacob, and then the 12 tribes of Israel, and then through the tribe of Judah, you know, came King David, and through the tribe of King, and through King David's line, the son of David, Jesus Christ. So because she was faithful, when it seemed impossible, she couldn't have possibly imagined how mightily God would use it. And guys, if we will get out of our comfort zones and trust God to do exceedingly abundant of all we can ask or think and say, Lord, here I am, use me, and quit hiding behind your frailties and start trusting in the power of God and having faith in him, it'd be amazed what we could see God can do. Can I get an amen to that? Amen? And by the way, it's not faith in faith to get you money. Amen? Amen? Got to plant your seed and you get it. No, stop. <laughs> seed in the Bible is always the word of God. It's never money. Can I get an amen? And like I said, they always want you to plant your seed in their field. That's amazing how that works. Give me a thousand. God will give you stuff. I promise. How about you give me 10,000 because God's going to give you stuff, but they never do it that way. Guys, we don't have faith in faith. We have faith in Christ. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Guys, we put our faith in him, not in our circumstances. We read his word, we obey it, we trust in him, we follow it faithfully. That's an act of faith and watch what God will do. Amen? So I told you what I was gonna tell you, then I told you and I'll tell you what I told you. Can I get an amen? Hebrews 11, God's hall of faith, the description of faith. 
Again, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. True biblical faith is confident obedience to God's word in spite of the circumstances or consequences. And the true faith produces an action. There's 17 witnesses. We'll see the rest of them next week. Again, we saw faith worshiping. Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice. He obeyed God and acted in faith. We saw faith walking. Enoch walked with God for 300 years and was taken away. We saw that without faith, it is impossible to please God. And then we saw faith working. The faith of Noah prepared an ark and it saved his whole household. And then we began looking at faith waiting, being willing to step out in faith and wait upon the Lord. We saw with Abraham and Sarah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your love and your grace and your infinite mercy. And I pray, Lord, that we would walk by faith, but we would understand what faith is. Faith is not a movable object. It's not us making things happen by having fortitude to believe it, but Lord, trusting in what your word says, walking in obedience to what you've called us to do. We don't have faith in faith. We have faith in you. And you're a great and an awesome God. I pray for anybody here struggles with faith. If they're struggling with fear, anxiety, and worry, if they're overcome by what's going on in the world around us, Lord, I pray that you would help them to surrender to you and to walk by faith and not by sight. Help us to get out of our comfort zone, to step out and go even when we don't know where we're going, to trust you. We're excited to see what you have in store for us, Lord. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen.